you would uh, turn in your Bibles this evening to Luke chapter 2. We will take a look at the Christmas story. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, every one to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all, who, all those who heard, who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God, for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Lord, may you add your blessing to the reading of your word as we open our hearts to the things you have for us this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. From the earliest days that I remember, well, I've just, I was blessed with uh, believing parents and uh, believing grandparents, at least on my mother's side, I'm not so sure about on my dad's side, but as a little kid, we would gather on Christmas Day at my grandparents' house, and before there were any gifts that were exchanged or opened, my grandparents read this passage to us. And so let me start out by saying this evening, if you don't have a tradition before you exchange gifts where you read a portion of scripture, and this is a good one, to stop and to read a portion of scripture about the birth of Christ because it sets in perspective when we exchange gifts what that means. And I I told my kids all of their lives as we did this and I thank God for that tradition. And traditions, while we sometimes look down upon them as being stale and stodgy and maybe filled with religious things that are not sincere any longer, 
The things that we do in our families can be very sacred, can't they? And we are told as parents to, to raise our kids in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Raise them in the ways of the Lord. And this is a great way to do it when we come to these holidays that the world has taken and made such a commercial mess and maybe the time of madness. In fact, I'm sure a lot of you, as you sat down in here this evening, went, I just hope we make it through tomorrow. But the Lord can touch us through this holiday, can't he? As we take time to read the scriptures and let our kids know, listen, and I told my kids all of their lives, we give gifts because Jesus gave us the best gift. And these gifts mean nothing. These will burn. You know, that toy that you're going to forget in a week that you just got, that'll mean nothing. But what we just read from the word of God, the flower falls off, the grass withers, but the word of God endures forever. So let me encourage you, if you don't have a tradition or if you don't do something like this, to find a passage of scripture or even to use this one, to read it to your family before you exchange an open gift so that we do it in the proper sense, not in the worldly sense, but in the godly sense. Back to our story, Luke chapter 2 beginning in verse 1, and it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered or taxed. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria, so all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. When we read these stories in the scriptures, it's so easy for us to just kind of read it in our own mind, in our own context. But here, In these days, we forget how difficult, how hard life was for these people. Because the the Jews, the land of Israel, was under Roman oppression. It was under Roman persecution and Roman government. And when the governor, when Caesar spoke, it had to be. There was no opportunity for the people to go to a court and say, hey, this is unconstitutional, Caesar, If Caesar spoke, it happened. And so we know that at this time, of course, Mary was with child. She was, you know, probably somewhere in the neighborhood of eight and a half months pregnant. And for all of you ladies who have been there, you know what that's like. You're very uncomfortable. You just feel like you're just ready to pop. The last thing you want to do is travel 80 miles by foot or on a camel or on a donkey to go from Nazareth to Bethlehem, which is what they were being called to do here through these circumstances. Now, let me tell you something as we think about this this thing where Caesar Augustus made a decree and set the whole world into an uproar and said, you all have to go back to your hometown where you were born because that's where the records are and be registered and say, yes, I'm here. Yes, I'm still alive. When I left here, I was a, a single man, a single woman. Now I'm married and I have kids. And you know, now there's a nickel for every nose for every kid that you have and those kinds of things. And the, the government wanted to get its money. You see, there's man's government, but there's God's providence. And God was using this to divinely order the chess pieces on the divine board of life to put people in place where he wanted them to go. And so when all of these people were subject to uh, Caesar Augustus, you see they were really being subject to the providence of God as God was putting people where he wanted them to go. How do we know that? Well, let's look at the next couple of verses in verses four and five. 
Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and the lineage of David. Now, the Old Testament scriptures told us that Jesus, the Messiah, had to come from the lineage of the house of David, correct? That had to be. But in order for that to to be legitimized, this thing had to happen. Caesar Augustus was used of God to get Mary and Joseph to go back to Joseph's hometown where he came from, which was Bethlehem, which was the house of David, and he himself was a descendant of the house and the lineage of David. And so these things were being done by God. They were divinely orchestrated. So there's man's government and God's providence, but there's also that divine putting the pieces in place. And notice it says, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. As we considered on Sunday, of course, Mary and Joseph were engaged to be married. They were betrothed as as kids, and that they had reached this point in their life with Mary being pregnant that they should be fully married. And of course, everyone assumed that the child was Joseph's, but as uh, Pastor Mitch shared with us on Sunday in the message that he brought, we understand that he was going to put her away. He was a just man, an honorable man, and although he was entitled by the law to question her integrity and to perhaps assume that what happened to her was because she was weak in her flesh and slept with another man and became pregnant or something like that. But the Holy Spirit, of course, spoke to Joseph and told him that the child was of the Holy Spirit. And so it says here that to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife. And why does it say that here? Because at this point in time, they would have been legally married. And it's saying that because they had never been together as husband and wife. And of course, they would never come together as husband and wife until after their firstborn son, the son of the seed of the Holy Spirit, that Jesus, the Messiah, would come and be born. And it was after that fact, of course, that they would come together as husband and wife and consummate their marriage. That's why that little word betrothed is stuck here in the middle of verse 5, to communicate to us that everything was done according to how it should have been done. And so he went to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. And then in verses 6 and 7, so it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. So they traveled the 80 or so miles from Nazareth down to Bethlehem. And as they got there, it was time for her to be delivered. And it says, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. So it would seem that they traveled and they got there probably, if you've ever done this and traveling with your parents or with your kids, uh, going somewhere on vacation or to visit family and it's been a long day and there were delays and you got there uh, to the place that you, you were going to stay and it was maybe after dark and you weren't sure how things were going to work out. And remember in these days, there were no hotels or motels the way we understand them today. In case you're confused on those definitions and you think they're synonymous, a hotel, you go into the building and the rooms are inside. A motel, you access the rooms from the outside. But in this case, the inn where they went to, to hopefully find a place to stay was more like a hostel. It was more like a shelter. So it wasn't this nice, neat hotel room where everybody had their own potty and that kind of thing. 
they went in and it's just like, hey man, as many people as we can pack in here, we'll do it. And there was a place for the animals and uh, like a courtyard and then there was a place for the people to sleep and they would go in and they filled up this inn. And then when Mary and Joseph came, we know from the other scriptures that as they got there, uh, the innkeeper said, man, we are full. We cannot fit you in here at all. And so we know that they were relegated to some stall out back and some believe it was a cave. Some believe it might have been sort of more of just a stall that wasn't kept up. You would think the inn was more kept up since guests would come through every day. Weary travelers would come in at night and, and lodge there. But as they got there and they came to the time when the, the baby was to be born, they got there and there was nothing for them. There was no room in the inn. And so they were forced to go out back to whatever was available, which was hopefully just barely enough to keep them out of the weather and out of the cool night air. And something that I think we should remember about the birth of Jesus, even though it's not in this passage of Scripture, it's in others that we have considered, is that Jesus wasn't born in this cool, reclaimed wood manger that we have, you know, on our lawns and on the town squares and those kinds of places. This was most likely a stone feeding trough. And if you've ever seen a, you know, or touched a stone outside in the cool of night, you know that that's, that's, that's a heat sink. It draws the heat away from you. And now you think about laying your baby in a place that's going to cause it to be cold when you know as, as a parent, especially as a mother, the most important thing for that newborn baby, aside from feeding it, is to keep it warm. And here Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, being born into these conditions, is born into a place, basically no roof over his head, a feeding trough for animals, anything but sanitary, and being laid into a stone trough as his first place that he laid his head. It gives us new understanding and insight, does it not, to when Jesus said, the foxes have holes, the birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. That's the way he came into this world. And so it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. She made this horrendous trip, 80 miles, eight and a half months pregnant, gets to the place, there's no place to stay, and then Jesus is born. And in verse 7 it says, And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. There's a lot tied up in this imagery of swaddling cloths. These were like strips of cloth, and quite often they would be used when animals were born, especially little animals like uh, calves or um, sheep, and they were first born and they couldn't stand up. They would wrap their legs in these cloths to give them strength so that when they stood, they had strength to stand. Now think about that imagery for a moment, that lambs and calves would be wrapped with these cloths, these swaddling cloths, and now the Son of God is being wrapped in these swaddling cloths. You see, if lambs who were being raised for food, or, or even better, being raised for the sacrificial system, would be wrapped in, in swaddling cloths themselves to help them be strong, so that they could grow more quickly and, and get more self-sufficient more quickly. And now you have the Son of God being wrapped in these same swaddling cloths. Think about that. How God was giving us a little bit of a foreshadowing here in Luke 2.7 of the destiny of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, 
They were born. Uh, the baby Jesus was born. He was laid in the manger. There was no room for them in the inn. And now we switch scenes in verse 8. There were in the same country, in that same region, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Now in that day, shepherds, there were sort of two kinds or two types of shepherds. There would have been the shepherds that were more regarded as sort of common criminals. Uh, the people who just lived out, uh, lived off the land. They had their flocks and they went around to wherever they could to, to get grass. And certainly not all shepherds were criminals, but many of them were very dishonest, unreputable people. But then there were shepherds who were on staff at the local temple or the synagogue and their job was to raise a flock for the temple sacrifice. A, a, a standard, uh, the, the temple in Jerusalem just for a, you know, a family uh, would raise somewhere in the neighborhood of a thousand lambs per year for the sacrifices to take place. And so there are many who believe, although it's not confirmed, that these shepherds might have been the temple shepherds, as opposed to your common everyday shepherd. Either way, however you consider it, there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. So they couldn't sleep at night. They had to stand guard because the ravenous animals would come and want to steal away their flock and uh, do that under the cover of darkness. So while they were alert and watching over their flock, behold, verse 9, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. So they're out in the wilderness, out in the darkness, no light, no city lights, no light pollution. And here they are, and this angel of the Lord suddenly appears before them. And it says, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. I don't think this was a friendly light. You know how it is when you wake up in the morning or the middle of the night? You want the lights to come up gently. You might turn on the light in the other room because you want your eyes to adjust. And here this angel appears and all of a sudden the glory of the Lord breaks into their world. And it is so bright out that it's like the noonday sun, I presume, because the glory of the Lord certainly is the brightness of God himself. And it says, and they were greatly afraid and rightly so. I'm sure I would have been and you would have been as well. And then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. So the angel telling them, of course, I'm here to bring good news to you. Now there is something very important here in this good news. This angel is bringing a revelation to them. And as this angel brings a revelation, he also brings a sign. He says, For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So when it says here in verse 11, For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, this is where many believe that these shepherds might have been temple shepherds, the, no doubt Jews. And so he's saying, there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And as we read these two verses, verse 10 and verse 11, if you take notes or if you write in your Bible, maybe you want to circle at the end of verse 10, which will be to all people, number one. And number two in verse 11, for there is born to you this day. And I believe that God has intended that we 
2,000 years later, reading this story in his word would understand these words, not just as words that were given to some people in a field 2,000 years ago, but that, that these words are given to us. That for born to you, born to me this day in the, in the city of David is a savior who is Christ the Lord. Remember the word Christ means Messiah. That this baby was the fulfillment of the longing of Israel. This baby was the fulfillment of all of the promises of God going back to the garden where it said that, um, that the, the, the seed of the woman would bruise the, the heel of the serpent. And so Jesus is the fulfillment of that promise going all the way back to the garden. And he's saying, this is the one. This is the child. And notice what he says in verse 12, and this will be the sign to you. Not a sign, the sign. This will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. So the angel promising them, and obviously speaking to them in the middle of this field, so as they're hearing these words, they, they know that immediately they have to go. They have to go find this child. They have to get up from where they are and leave. They have to leave their flocks. I mean, this would go against their grain to leave their flocks. Someone had to guard those flocks. This was their livelihood. And they were being told, they were being commanded by God himself through this angel, you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in, the, in a manger. And so they were to get up and to go. This revelation that came to them, this sign that was promised to them, could only come to them if they got up and did something. They had to go. They had to act on what the revelation was, on what this news was, this good news that was brought to them. Good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. And so they were to go. So in verse 13, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Now as this subsided and the angels went away, the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass which the Lord has made known to us. So they knew right away they had to go, they had to act on what was spoken to them. And I love how the Lord is so gracious with his people. Coming back to verse 12, this will be the sign to you. He didn't just say these words and then the angels went away and that was it. He said, this will be the sign to you. In other words, as they went and as they saw, when they saw the sign that the angel spoke to them prophetically, then they would believe. And while God is gracious to do this with us, and, and I'm so thankful that he does, have you ever considered the fact that we're of the sort that we need a sign? That God has to, to tell us there's a sign for you, and when you see the sign, then you will believe. Do you remember that God did this so graciously with Peter on uh, Simon the Tanner's rooftop in Acts chapter 10? when he had that vision three times of the blankets coming down from heaven, filled with all sorts of creatures. 
out of the Old Testament who were considered unclean. And each time as it came down and Peter saw that blanket unfold before him and he saw all, all of those unclean animals and he says, not so, Lord, I have never touched or eaten anything unclean. And God said to him three times, what God has cleansed, you must not call unclean. And then Peter was told that he was to go with the person who would show up at the gate and a man came and of course we know the story, he went to Cornelius' house and there he found Gentile believers who were just waiting for someone to come and to bring the word of God to them and as he did that, there was an anointing, there was a filling, there was a baptism of the Holy Spirit that fell on those people. And so God had to give Peter a sign in order to get him to move. And here, this sign is given to them to get them to move. And I think it's no accident that as we are here just a few days away from the beginning of the new year, let me ask you the question for you and for me. What sign are you looking for? What are you looking for to take the next step in your walk with God? Perhaps you've plateaued, perhaps you're spinning your wheels, perhaps you're stuck in the mud, so to speak. What is it that you're waiting for or looking for that you're thinking or hoping is going to propel you forward in your journey with Christ? Is it a new job? Is it a new relationship? Is it winning the lottery? What do we place our hope in? What sign are we looking for? Is our faith so weak that we need a sign? God, if you only give me a sign, I'll believe. Do you remember in Luke 16 where the rich man and Lazarus were told that story by Jesus himself and in this life, the rich man and Lazarus, the rich man fared sumptuously. Lazarus was a poor man and he lived a, really a, a horrible life and then they died and then the roles were reversed and the rich man is in a place called Hades and he's suffering tremendously, and then the rich man is in Abraham's bosom. And as Jesus tells us that story, we see the rich man crying out across the great chasm saying, please send Lazarus or somebody back to my family, to my brothers. Send them a sign so that they will believe, because they'll believe if someone is arisen from the dead and sent back to them. And think about this. If we put this in modern terms, it's like somebody whose funeral they went to, all right, whom they grieved, they saw them dead in the coffin. Send that person back so they will believe. Send them a sign. And you know what the Lord said to them? He said, they already have a sign. They have the word of God. They have the law of Moses. I've already spoken to them. How much more can I give them? And here these shepherds were given a sign. And I think God is so gracious to give you and I the same sign, isn't, hasn't he? The Lord Jesus Christ a child lying in a manger wrapped in swaddling cloths or the sign of someone who demonstrated great love on the cross, who gave himself so freely for us that we might believe, that we might be able to go and to spend eternity with God in heaven, that even now on this life we might to be, be able to begin to experience a smidgen of eternal life here on this planet well, back to our story, suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. See this divine revelation that was spoken to them with a sign. Now 
is leading to worship, not just the worship of the angels. The, the angels worship constantly, and I th- but I think it's true. Divine revelation always leads to worship. But I think God also intends that divine revelation mixed with faith should lead to obedience because that's what happened to these shepherds in verse 15. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste. You see, they left their stuff. They left their flock. They were obedient to the Lord. God gave them the revelation. He promised them a sign. And they acted in faith on the word of God revealed to them out of the blue, in the dark of the night, when God invaded their world, can I suggest to you that that parallels our own salvation, does it not? Maybe it wasn't as glamorous as this. Maybe we didn't have a bright light and an angel. But when we come to the point in life where we believe, it's like this. It's a divine revelation. You see, salvation cannot be brought by man. We bring the message, yes, We are the bearers of the good news, amen. But I can't make someone believe, can I? Even as a parent, you can't make your kids believe. Yes, we raise them in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord and we pray for them, but they must come to the place in their own life, kids, where it's no longer your parents' faith, it becomes your faith. We have to believe. And so these Shepherds believed. They acted on the word that was spoken to them. You see, it was mixed with faith. And they came with haste. And they found Mary and Joseph. And I I think it's important for us to note in verse 16, the haste with which they obeyed. You see, too often we put things off, don't we? Well, I'll obey next week. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll wait until there's a more convenient time. Isn't that what... King Herod or King Agrippa said when Paul was there testifying before him, well, when there's a more convenient time, I'll I'll listen to you, Paul. No, they, they obeyed right away, and that's a message for us. And they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now, when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. You see, they had divine revelation. They were given a sign That divine revelation led to worship. That divine revelation mixed with faith led them to obey immediately with haste. And now this divine revelation has encouraged, has spurred them on to proclamation. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. You see, they received a message from heaven. But so have we. It's right here. We've all received the message from heaven. They were given a divine directive from God, and so have we. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was was told them concerning this child. You know what's interesting? Every time I see this in the scriptures, when people uh, walk away from an encounter with God, you know what they do? They just tell people about what happened. They tell them what was told them. These people went away and told them what the angel said. That was their message. They didn't graduate from the school of apologetics. They didn't graduate from Bible college. They didn't go to seminary. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with any of those things. I highly encourage it. 
but that's what they need, not what they needed to go forth in life. You see, they had an encounter with God. God revealed divine things to them. They walked away from that encounter with God and they simply shared the message that they were given. Hey, there's a baby born whose name is Christ the Lord. He's lying in a manger in swaddling cloths in Bethlehem. You should go check it out. He's the Messiah. An angel told us. Now, I imagine more than a few people looked at them cross-eyed and said, right, an angel told you, shepherds, that the Messiah was born and he's laying in a stable? Uh, I don't know. But you see, they went and they shared the message. Why? Because God spoke to them. You see, they weren't responsible for other people's responses, were they? They were just responsible to do one thing and one thing only. Say to others what had been said to them. See, God makes it so simple, doesn't he? And it says, and all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. You see, they had a great response and praise God, they had a great response. And it says, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart as a good mother would. My wife is constantly telling me about things that happened when the kids were little that I have zero recollection of. Probably because I wasn't there half the time and you know these, these weren't things that I cherished in my mind. I was like excited the day my son cut the grass for the first time. <laughs> Praise the Lord, he's helping out around the house. But mothers remember other things. They remember the things that are important. And it says, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. There is so much faith in verse 20. It is dripping with faith. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God. Why? Because everything was just as it was told them. For all the things that they had heard and seen, there was an experience that went with truth. The experience validated the truth. It wasn't the other way around. Excuse me, the truth validated the experience they first believed and then their experience fit the truth as opposed to us trying to make the truth fit our experience. And all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. In other words, the word of God bore fruit in their lives and the word of God was true and they understood it and they believed it and they acted upon it. So what sign are you looking for? What sign am I looking for? Has God not given us so much? Is this not the divine revelation of God himself? Is this not the love letter of God to us, his children? As we have the ability to open this book anytime and read it. You have it on your phone. You have it on your tablet. You can read the word of God anytime you want. What sign are you looking for? What are you waiting for to obey? What do you need to have happen to you or in your life to cause you to want to act on the basis of God's word? Thank God that he gives us signs. He gave us a huge sign, didn't he? His name is Jesus. And he points us to the Father. He points us to divine love. The only place that we can find true love is at the foot of the cross. And it started in a stone cradle in Bethlehem. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you for this holiday we get to celebrate. Thank you for the time 
that many of us may have a few days off from work just to be with family and friends and to enjoy one another. Lord, may we bring the light of Jesus. We lit this candle this evening to symbolize the light of the world, Jesus Christ. May we be light bearers. May we be like these shepherds. And may we take the simple message that you have given to us and tell others and leave the results in your hands. But let us be faithful to just spread the light and to spread the love. In Jesus' name, amen. As we sing this last song, you guys can come on up. Uh, we're gonna light the candles. We're gonna sing this song, Here I Am to Worship Light of the World. You came down into darkness. And I'm gonna ask um, Alexander, as the elder statesman here, to light your candle from the white candle, the Christ candle, the light of the world. Then as we sing, I want you to spread that light and then as he does that, I want you to share your light with others, okay? I know it's a symbol, 